This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post America. Macho Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. What's up, everybody? We're back. And this is uh, part three of the of the ninety regional scene series, where we uh, we give props to the sometimes disregarded '90s hardcore era, which I think is very important and overlooked at the moment. So we're going to give us some glory, and we got a special guest who I believe is an expert from his region of, of Syracuse, New York, and probably some surrounding areas. And he's been in a ton of bands, uh, currently, currently manipulate, uh, maximum penalty, ragman terror, the promise, another victim. I'm probably even forgetting some, he does that dope, uh, scene and attitude exhumed. I think the latest issue with uh smash or be smashed. The earth, earth crisis focuses on earth crisis. Really cool. I got one myself. We got Jonathan Buskey. What's up, buddy? What's up, my man? Good to hear from you. You too. You too. So we got you here because I tried to get people that I know um, that, you know, were through those times in the 90s and from area, you know, from areas I'm not in. My, my first uh, episode was North Jersey. And I was, oh. I, I was I was very, you know, I was familiar with that. I was always there. I'm from New Jersey originally. The second episode was Northeast PA. Very familiar with that. Came up in that. Got had so I had Seth from One for One do North Jersey. I had Nick Joka do Northeast PA. Now I'm having you to focus on Syracuse, New York, which everybody knows. If you're in the hardcore scene throughout the world, a key spot for hardcore, especially '90s era hardcore. Mm-hmm. So we got you, and let's talk about that era, that time, and. Uh, Let's get your a little background with you first. When did you start coming into the scene? Uh, well, first, thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate you thinking of me. There's definitely plenty of other people that could speak on Syracuse from the 90s. Um, you know, people that were actually doing the shows and doing bands. So I, I appreciate you having me on. Um, Respect. My, man, it's kind of a twisted thing. So. Um, I guess my first show show was locally. We had some local shows outside of Syracuse where I grew up about a half an hour outside in the late eighties, early, maybe 90. Um, And I wasn't going, but I was pretty adjacent to it. My older brother was going his friends, which were three, four, five years older. They were putting on the shows. So I knew of these things going on, but I wasn't directly, you know, involved yet. Mm. Um, my first venture out to a show was probably 1991. Um, I went to Syracuse to go see uh, Bad Trip and this band Moral Crux. Um, I don't even know. And the show ended up getting moved or canceled or something. And I had to convince my dad, you know, to let me go to begin with. And once he saw that, the, you know, the show was canceled and he was like, fuck this, we're heading home. So. 91 is when I first ventured out, um, you know, into getting involved, you know, 
and actively pursuing looking for shows and shit like that. But, uh, you know, like I said, I'd been adjacent for a number of years prior, you know, kind of seeing all the advertising advertisements of bands and shit. Um, you know, I got into skateboarding in the very early eighties and by 85, 86, you know, I was, I was skateboarding and those, you know, that soundtrack back then was primarily punk rock, you know, misfit music, even, all real alternative music at the time, which was shit like Jane's Addiction and Red Hat Chili Peppers and, you know, mm-hmm. weirdo quote unquote music. Um, so even through that, you know, early 80s, 85 to 86, 87, you know, I was I was learning about these things through Thrasher magazine and Sessions, which was a skateboarding catalog. And they had just, you know, band shirt after band shirt. So you would just see these images, minor threat. And um, like I said, these people that were doing these shows locally, um, I would get a copy of, you know, a Minor Threat cassette here or a Subhumans cassette there. So I was sort of absorbing, you know, between 85 and like 91 when I first actually got to, you know, a proper show. Well, that's perfect. That's like a perfect uh, introduction, 90, 91, because that's exactly what what we want to focus on. So you're very raw, though by 90 i mean you yes. you know of some stuff but you're raw as in in the flesh at the place kind of vibe so this is a that's what you're saying that's your earliest induction absolutely yeah i mean dude everything was completely new you know i mean i was yeah. a kid literally a kid and uh skateboarding wasn't a cool thing at all back then and uh you know my brother and i and our our friends got a lot of shit for that we got treated you know unfairly improperly whatever you want to call it at the time bullied i guess you would consider at the time but to us you know it was building character and we're building sort of our own thing you know without even sort of realizing it you know but uh (laughs) yeah it was very weird back then like if people saw (laughs) some kids skating somewhere in like the town center they would like chase them down or try to fight them yeah (laughs) i think that was like all over the country i wonder why that was it just enraged people yeah, I don't know, man. It was definitely a misfit sort of mentality, you know. So, um, you know, it was happening. You know, I was I was very, very young. You know, it was early 80s. I was not even a teenager yet, you know. So it definitely, uh, you know, helped build character. And that's probably why you know, I'm still here now, because it's basically the, my first introduction into life really was sort of this this crazy misfit mentality in music, you know. What a beautiful thing Yeah, for, it's wild, right? for some younger people listening. They might not know this term, but tell me in my area, this was a very popular term. I don't mean to offend anybody, but I got to say it so people understand it. But when people would see skaters, they would say skate fag. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was like that up there as well. 100%, yeah. 100%. Incredible. What hate yeah. towards a, 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 like a group of people, not yeah. really fucking with anybody. Yeah. Incredible. And you know what? I mean, to sidetrack real quick, it's funny. I mean, if we're going to talk about this and bullying and such, whatever, uh-huh. um, my brother and I used to get bullied by one particular guy who, who literally called us that all the time mm-hmm. and made fun of us for our sneakers and our pants because, you know, they were skateboarding style, whatever. And, uh, come to find out 20 30 years later i end up getting pulled over in my hometown and who's the cop that pulls me over but this guy of you know of course so that bully mentality you know <laughs> it speaks great. volumes <laughs> yeah <laughs> great first it yeah. was the local bouncer and then he turned into the cop 
Yeah, oh so it's all good. It's all good. That's ridiculous. So, yeah. so, okay. So you're not living in Syracuse. What's like the, you know, for people that don't know, I'm not super from, I know Syracuse, but yeah. where, like what's outside of Syracuse? Where were you at? Uh, not much, man, because Syracuse is a pretty small city to begin with. You know, mm-hmm. uh, once you get, you know, if you go directly North from New York city, you end up in Albany and that takes you a couple of hours to get up there. And then if you go directly West, all the way to the other side of New York, you're in Buffalo, you know, and in between Albany and Buffalo is Syracuse. Um, I grew up essentially a half an hour, even further outside of Syracuse. So it was a, you know, small city, big town, maybe 30, 40,000 people growing up, you know? So it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't a thriving scene at all. It was just a couple of, you know, people that sort of had an idea. Got you. Got you. Okay. So early on, as far as active bands Uh out of that, out of that area, um, who, who was doing it? Anybody we recognize or just like local, local acts who was, who was playing live and and drawing some people and making moves. There was definitely, again, I want to speak on my time, which, you know, we mentioned is the nineties. I can do a little bit predating that only because you know i did some of my own whatever research but mm-hmm. it was definitely a, a a smaller more of a punk rock scene in in syracuse and you know where i was from outside of syracuse where it was more of a more of the artsy almost goth industrial punk you know where it wasn't quite um it wasn't quite the hardcore punk yet you know yeah so it was a different kind of a, it was a different kind of a scene in the eighties than what people know of as Syracuse in the nineties. Um, but there was stuff going on, you know, throughout the late eighties, uniform choice played up here, underdog. Um, I don't know, super touch played a bunch, you know, so there was little small stuff, but it was really the, the nineties that sort of, you know, took over the name of Syracuse hardcore and, and what bands at, at 90 era bands you think were uh, making some noise from that area. Gotcha. Um, so there was this awesome band called the catatonics. Um, they were actually having their, their, uh, their seven inch re-released on um, Southern Lord. I recently. love that name, the Catatonics. The Catatonics, yeah. And they were oh, awesome. awesome. I mean, they were just awesome, hardcore, you know, punk rock. Um, the drummer actually was this guy, Belvy, who ended up playing in Seven Seconds a little bit later on. Mm. And uh, I know you've been to Brooklyn Bazaar, that venue in Brooklyn. Yes. At one point, he was running the Brooklyn Bazaar, even. So uh, you probably even walked by him and said hello to him. But oh, um cool. Yeah, this band, the Catatonics, was awesome. And they were kind of, I guess, the, the probably the biggest thing to come from Syracuse. But even then, they didn't they didn't quite, you know, they didn't really do much. Syracuse, again, it wasn't a, a huge thriving scene. And all of these things were just starting to pop up, you know, regionally between Albany and Buffalo. And everything was still very, very new. Um, there was a band called One Death Two. Um there was a band called Stillborn. Um, you know, these were all late 80s bands, uh, Milton's yeah. Disciples. So, again, they didn't really go anywhere, per se, in the grand scheme of things when you think of Syracuse. But uh, there was a band uh, that came out of Oswego, which was adjacent to Syracuse, called Dead Image. 
Um, and that kind of started what people probably would understand as the 90s Syracuse scene was this band Dead Image. Mm-hmm. And um, at the same time in Syracuse, there was Infusion. Um, there was a band Forefront, which essentially was guys from Earth Crisis. Um, Infusion was guys that ended up becoming, you know, God Below, and Blood Runs Black. So, you know, there was there was some stuff going on then. The beginnings of Earth Crisis, even uh, Carl was playing bass, DJ was singing. They had this guy Johnny Upstate playing guitar. So, you know, again, there was all these pre these these sort of immature uh, little things popping up prior to Earth Crisis, really sort of setting it off for the 90s and the name yeah and you, you have to you know the earth crisis has to be mentioned when talking about syracuse what what do you think um like the bands that you you did mention that were just starting to change the sound a little uh-huh. after the late 80 bands what do you think was their influence like what was coming into syracuse from other places that had a heavy influence if anything yeah uh I think it was just sort of that changing of the guard and hardcore in general. You know, I mean, that's when a lot of the New York crossover shit started happening. The leeways, you know, mm-hmm. the Chromag stuff, that stuff, that stuff wasn't really a thing in the earlier scene. You know, like I said, it was more of a punk DC Fugazi rights of spring. It was a little bit more artsy, not as tough, not as hard, you know? And I yeah. think just, I think a couple people latching on to stuff like Chromags and Judge and some of the stuff that was coming out, it was just that shift. It was the changing of the tides, you know, and also some of these guys were listening to metal. You know, there was Metallica going on. There was Anthrax. You know, there was Testament. There was other influences. And, uh, you know, it, it just helped shape the sound. You know, it was again, it's just what happens all the time, a changing of the guard, you know, at some point somebody comes into the scene with a different influence and ultimately, you know, reshapes and re-influences the scene. And I think that's, you know, kind of what, like I said, Infusion did, especially they were definitely more metal. Earth Crisis definitely went that way. Uh, You know, so it was just that sort of evolution of sound, I think, overall influence. Yeah, that's why I like uh, to discuss the 90s because i think that's where a big shift in sound came and i haven't i haven't heard since then such a big shift in just sound yeah like maybe attitude style yeah but as far as because a lot of bands still you know sound like 90s era hardcore bands you hear the influence but it was such a change from like you mentioned dc style stuff to all of a sudden a band like earth crisis playing it was like whoa like that's yeah. that's it, that's a big jump. And it really divided, you know, really divided people in a way, too. I mean, I think that's kind of what happened in the Syracuse scene, honestly, is because, like I said, by the time I came in, all these people that were doing the <clears throat> underdog absolution shows and uniform choice shows, those guys weren't at the Earth Crisis shows because mm-hmm. they couldn't identify, per se, with what was going on, you know, whether it was the message or down to the music. It was just, it really was just a sort of a shift, uh, at least regionally, you know, for a lot of people. And again, same thing with the kids or the people I grew up with throughout those 80s, my older brother and his friends, you know, like uh, even to this day, we still talk and hang out, but they're definitely not, you know, they're definitely DC hardcore 
guys as opposed yeah. to me who's a you know new york syracuse hardcore guy you know there's there's definitely a line between the two of us and uh i love him to death obviously and the feelings mutual but that was definitely i think in the 90s where you know there was that shift things went just a little bit heavier and more metal for syracuse you know through earth crisis and some of that stuff now was there any kind of uh with that divide and the change, was there any kind of like inner scene beefs uh, from, I, from that yeah, era? I, I was so young, dude. I wasn't, you know, I was flying the wall. I was just absorbing every show. Mm-hmm. I didn't know shit for shit. I didn't know anybody. <clears throat> I didn't know any of these bands, you know. So from 90, 91 until, you know, 93 or four, I, I was just in a world of, you know, immersion, just doing what I could to absorb everything. Like an observer. <laughs> Yeah, dude, didn't give a shit about drama or any of this, but I'm sure there was, you know, I mean, when isn't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, as an observer, young guy watching, like, who who were some key characters of the of the 90s scene that you could recall? Oh, man. Um, man. You know, there's always Guav. You know, he's been around for a long time. It's a name people might be familiar with. Uh, I know the name, but I honestly, I, I, I think, like, this is, I'm a little ignorant here. I know the name, and I think he is involved with the merchandise. Yeah, he does Cabal. He does the Cabal. Okay, stuff. that's what I thought. And what exactly, yeah, yeah tell us about him a little bit. Uh, Guav, uh, Guav actually came from, again, another town a little bit further away, half hour away, called Ithaca. And again, they had their own little small scene. Uh, they had a cool band called Juvenocracy. Um, and Guav ended up moving to Syracuse, I think, same time, early 90s, 91, something like that. And uh, he actually did an awesome zine called Conviction and then did a label called Conviction Records, which put out the Earth Crisis All Out War 7-inch. Mm-hmm. So he was pretty much responsible in the early 90s for sort of, uh, you know, putting that sort of wheels on the ground of getting Earth Crisis a record label and putting the zines out. And, you know, he was just a mover and a shaker, I guess, of the early 90s. Uh, Always a great mosher, always a great stage diver, you know, just one of those kind of guys that love to be love to be at the hardcore show you know same thing it was just a very vibrant exciting time and dudes were just creating stuff and making cool shit happen so he was definitely one of those guys yeah um so for, from this one guy you got you got the merch the merch you got the zine you got a record label and you got a, an active scene there going to shows setting it off was he in bands no he was always just uh he was just a, you know, he's an art guy. So he's, he's always just done zines and layouts and, awesome. you know, behind the scenes guy. But then, you know, started the cabal thing with a t-shirt company. And obviously that's still going to a little bit of a degree now, but you know, he's just always been just one of those. Involved. I remember back then seeing that stuff everywhere, man. Yeah. Cabal yeah. Stuff. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. And is he related anything to like any straight edge stuff? Was he a straight edge guy? Yeah, totally straight edge guy. Um, you know, before the, you know, the masks with the hoods up and all that stuff, that was kind of Guav's, not not necessarily his thing. He didn't start it, obviously. But like I said, regionally, locally, there was nobody doing that, you know, until until him and a group of other people's decide, you know, people decided that it was cool to put on a fucking ski mask and a hooded sweatshirt and gloves 
with X's on them. And, you know, basically the path of resistance cover. Album and, very, cover. and very influential. That whole look took over yes. the Midwest. So that was kind of a thing too, where, you know, when earth crisis would play, a group of dudes would hood up, put gloves on. And, you know, the minute earth crisis started, dudes would go out and just start moshing and stage diving, you know, and it was just a, again, it was this thing that we were just doing or they were doing because they were friends and we thought it was cool looking and it was just creating something of, of our own that these other guys didn't leave us or leave behind, you know, like they had their thing with their shows and this and that. And this was just, you know, the nineties was kind of our time and our generation to, uh, you know. So can we officially give Syracuse the, the props for creating the ski mask and gloves look? Um, no, I don't know if that's an official thing or not. You know, it might be though. Can we think of another place? Uh, dude, I don't know, man, but I, I love it. I loved it then, and I still love it now. So it is great. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. It looks I remember great. going to shows up there and seeing that and, and loving it. Yeah, man. Yep. And saying, yep. "Oh, oh, these guys are these guys are looking for trouble." Not at all. You know, it was just a vibe. Yeah, it was just know? a fun thing. Totally. Yeah, it's just a vibe. You know, and and obviously, again, like I said, you know, this is through my lens, through my filter. Other people yeah. might have other things to say about that. And what happened when, you know, when Earth Crisis would play and like, I don't know, but this is through my lens and through my filter, you know, so but yeah, man, it was it was it was great. Yeah, those uh, shows up there, you know, I used to come up here and there through the, throughout the 90s and what an incredible energy, man. Syracuse yeah. was like, well, yo, we got a show in Syracuse or we're going to a show in Syracuse. It was it was a hot spot throughout yeah. the 90s now yeah. we talked about guav any other uh interesting uh, characters that that should be mentioned that, that you can think of offhand uh i mean much later on obviously patrick kitzel came into the scene you know he was very influential in keeping syracuse afloat you know throughout um i don't know probably a decade you know i mean reaper records obviously you know he did reaper yeah um you know so that he was pretty highly influential person within the scene um yeah we had we had kitzel on uh an episode a while back yeah so how did he have a connection why did how did he end up in syracuse from germany he ended up in syracuse i think i mean probably a couple of things but i mean he was definitely you know a overseas observer of what was going on he's been around for a very long time so he saw the whole syracuse thing sort of popping off and turning into you know what it did and, uh, you know, I think that he just probably wanted to be a part of it on top of the fact that um, at the time we had met, you know, we became pretty close friends pretty quickly. He was very good friends with Scott Vogel already. who lived in Buffalo. So I think at the time he just needed to get out of Germany and, you know, could move somewhere where there was a, you know, a cool scene that he respected with people involved that he could, you know jive with so yeah that's just think of that think of the influence syracuse must have had yeah Yeah. to to reach like a guy like him that wants to come over and make moves that's cool and that's kind of how you know another victim even started was the guitar player was uh this guy jonathan dennison Mm -hmm. and he was a san jose guy he lived in california and uh same thing he latched onto earth crisis very early on and was like fuck this and moved to syracuse in the mid 90s and started another victim and by 97 you know he had another victim going with a demo and that's kind of how that whole thing started because he just wanted to be 
he wanted to start a Syracuse, you know, straight edge band. And what better place to do that than in Syracuse? So wow. he fucking moved to Syracuse. Yeah. So beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, when you think about it, which is funny because I don't think I've ever had this conversation at this length, you know. So mm-hmm. uh yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, because like you said, it's not like a major city, but right. it's, it's pulling in, you know, kids from around the planet to and the know. whole time that you know, the whole time that at least I was involved, you know, we're looking to other cities like New York and Boston and all these other bigger cities because, you know, they have, quote unquote, better bands and bigger bands and, you know, just more just influential bands. We're young, you know, so, of course, you look up to the older guys for direction, you know, so even to us at the time, you know, we didn't we thought that we were, you know, completely green. Meanwhile, there's people still taking influence from us, taking influence from other people, you know? So, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. And Syracuse was definitely known for its uh, big straight edge scene within the, within the hardcore scene. Mm-hmm. What was it? Do you, do you understand or do you remember or know like the birth of that? Like who brought that in? Who was a key figure? Like how big was it? You know, was it as big as we think from the outside or, or let's get into some insight on that yeah um man again i would have to say they had to come in through carl and dj possibly you know um again a a topic or a conversation i've never fully explored so i don't really know but Mm. i um there might have been people that were straight edge prior, you know, minor threat was a thing obviously before earth crisis. So I'm not sure locally if there was anybody that was identifying with that. Uh, definitely by the time I was going to shows, it was, it was earth crisis, you know, that, Mm. that really promoted it and, uh, essentially put it on the map for the region. You know, I mean, like I said, somebody might've been straight edge before that, but it certainly wasn't a thing that, you know, many people sort of knew about. I don't think anybody was promoting it. Certainly not to the degree that, you know, earth crisis. Well, did. I like thinking it was earth crisis, but yeah. you know, I wasn't, I did have Carl on the show. I, we might've went over that a little bit, but I forget. But okay. one thing I, I said to Carl that, and uh, Syracuse could be proud in my opinion, earth crisis is the most one of the most culturally relevant bands ever yeah not just even in hardcore like they changed culture yeah like they weren't just super dope and everybody liked them and they were like the great you know bad brains great life show everybody talks about it they just changed culture and lifestyles to an extent that i really don't know offhand if another band has done that to to their extent it's it's really yeah. impressive and and uh you know it's a star for for them and and for syracuse very cool yeah. no it's a very admirable thing you know it's amazing and that's kind of what led to me doing that whole book you know it's just the fact that whether you're straight edge or not you know i, I think there's a place that earth crisis could definitely uh have an impact on your life you know so definitely yeah and uh yeah, for people that don't know that that last, I think it's number three. Number three, uh, yeah. Number three of your uh, AA, AAE zine. It's, is it considered a zine? Because uh, to uh, me, a zine is kind of like crappy and small. This is like a, a <laughs> thick, chunky, nice book. It's like, you know, this is a great thing to have. But people, if you want it, like get get hold of Busky through social media. 
or, or, or uh, Instagram, find the link and, and order that. It's really cool to have. It's all just Earth Crisis info and, and flyers and stuff. It's dope. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you yeah. got that. That's why we had to have you on. You're like the guy. Come on, man. Who else is doing uh, Richie, I love you. You know that. <laughs> You're keeping it going. And you know, this is like not on topic, but uh, one of the, you, you being in Ragmen, like that's uh, that was such a, like it was real quick. Boom. Yeah. You had this release, but it was so cool, man. It was, yeah. it's, it's, it's like something that people should, should also look into Ragmen. Like, uh, thank you. And again, I have to shout out Earth Crisis because that came through them. You know, the bass player was Bulldog. Yeah, in Earth Crisis, and uh, he recorded on the record. And those guys wanted to play some shows, and Bulldog couldn't, so he suggested me, and uh, that's where that you know how that whole thing led. So again, respect, shout out to Earth Crisis and Bulldog for all that. Damn, Earth Crisis coming through yeah. on every aspect. Hell yeah, well respected band, well respected. Let's talk about this Syracuse style, like you know every. I was talking to Seth about North Jersey and you know how North Jersey looked, you know, how, yeah. how they used to dress that scene. What was like the look uh, and the vibe as far as what the kids were wearing throughout the 90s? In oh, man. Well, we had we had the sweater vest style for a little while. OK, I, I remember that. that. I yeah. know Pennsylvania definitely had some because we had a lot of good Pennsylvania bands that would come up. Um, and I used it to was go definitely to, that element in PA that had the uh, sweater vest style, hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. You know, with the beads, the wood beads on mm -hmm. your neck. Um, you know, baggy jeans with some sort of a fake leather shoe from like Payless shoes. <laughs> you know, uh, some sort of a baseball hat, super low, probably bent into like an A frame on the brim. Yeah, you know, wow. definitely had to have some sort of a varsity letter, whether it's a T-shirt or on your hat. You know, it was pretty, you know, pretty generic. So uh, there was that. And then, you know, later on, there was the, the, the Jenkos, the huge pants with the wallet chain. And I don't think it was pretty. I don't think it was any different than, you know, pretty much anything else that was going on at the time. <laughs> yeah, I think that that does sound uh similar to like northeast pa especially yeah mildly embarrassing but definitely of the time and uh the jankos would always be wet and nasty at the bottom nasty right? you'd have that big fucking flap in the back hanging from there it would scuff on the ground did you ever rock the jankos yourself or not uh i would do the new deal pants remember that skateboard company yeah yeah they had new deal big deals <laughs> they were called so i used to rock the new deal pants uh i had a pair of jankos but i don't know to me that <laughs> it's so funny to say these things but to me jankos were for like the the posers you know what i mean like yeah yeah i, I, I had, never i never rocked them but they 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 were so ridiculous but they yeah. were they were out there they were all over they the place were, they were out there yeah now, i want the more you know the cool guy skateboarder look at that time with the new deals and all whatever those brands were I wonder who was the first to do the sweater vest thing because well, who would ever think I don't know uh, that that would kick in a sweater like who you Mr. Rogers or something coming through the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was wild, man. I I was victim. I definitely did it. I have to say, I definitely did it. <laughs> yeah, it was something cool about it though. It was like uh, you know, yeah. like a, a regal hard hardcore look. Yeah. And the beads around the neck, the tight beads, that was definitely a thing. Absolutely, oh. dude. Yep. 
hell yeah. But yeah, I remember rolling down to PA and, you know, we would, man, Sunburns Cold maybe, were they from there? And uh, sounds familiar. some of these other bands, um, shit, Side Over was oh, another definitely. band. Oh, yep. definitely, yeah, Northeast PA band, yep. Okay, was there, was Deckard? No, they might have been New Jersey. A Deckard, I, I, think that, I think that was a PA band too. Was it? All right, yeah, but there was a there bunch was, of those there bands. There was Option, that, you remember then, Option. Option, yep. Burial yep. Ground. Uh, yep yeah there was a there was a lot of bands and, and i think like uh there was when you go north in pa you're close to the new york border more like bingington or however you say that yeah and uh like you know kids wouldn't think twice of just zooming up to syracuse for shows yeah. or albany or yep. or anywhere so yeah there was definitely a lot of connections yeah yeah we would cruise to music like you know go to cc's and see all those shows turmoil 25 to life crutch you know like all that shit i don't know when was that mid 90s late yeah 90s? that was probably from the like 94 to the end of the 90s yeah but yeah yeah turmoil that's another pa band that did pretty well yep yep they were kind of out there in their own uh area a place called jim thorpe beautiful jim thorpe. Yeah, beautiful little town, like historic. They call it the Switzerland of Pennsylvania. Wow, really? It's like on the side of a mountain. Yeah, if anybody's like interested in that kind of stuff, a historic town. But Turmoil was from there, and it was kind of like in between my area and like Scranton and Wilkes-Barre and all that. So they they used to get out a lot, Turmoil. Yeah. They did well. Yeah. yeah, they played Syracuse all the time. Yeah, well, and uh, well, let's get back to Syracuse. Enough about yeah. PA, even though it's a great place. We gotta, we gotta go past it. When we think of of Syracuse, we thought of you know, like the first thing that comes to to mind is like the, the within the hardcore scene is like the straight edge stuff. Was there any element like like the Murphy's Law type bands, like the No Redeeming style bands? Was was anything like that up there during during the nineties or no? Uh, probably. But like I said, it would have it it wouldn't it would have been more adjacent to. There wasn't okay. really much of that within within the Syracuse hardcore scene. And again, at least the part that I was of, you know what yeah. I mean. Like I'm not sure if there was another fragment going on where there was house shows and party shows and this and that. Um, it wasn't really a thing within the scene that I was a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I think. In hindsight, you know, I mean, we were kids. I can say this now. We were definitely very serious about our part of the scene where I don't think we would have even tolerated any sort of a, <laughs> you know, tongue in cheek joking type of a band. You know, oh, at that I time, love that. I love that. Yeah. At that time, we were very pretty, you know, gung ho on promoting Earth Crisis and our version of hardcore, you know, which yeah. wasn't jovial joking around it was it was meant to be serious you know Mm -hmm. so there was some of that there was a band like i said in the in the 80s called milton's disciples uh Mm -hmm. and they were pretty goofy you know but it it was it was pretty punk they had songs about you know shit in your pants and stuff like that so it was it was goofy um but once, you know, once that sort of 90s version of Syracuse Hardcore started, that stuff kind of, was, you know. That was a wrap for everything else. Everything else yeah. just was extinct. Kind of, kind of yeah. Now, what, what what were the key venues up there throughout the, throughout the 90s? Um, definitely the Lost Horizon. 
that Classic. was yeah. yeah a big big spot but in the early 90s before it started at the loss they had uh they had some shows at the university at the shine center and that's where there were some really good you know shows um early on uh even before that there was vfw halls and stuff like that but throughout the 90s definitely lost horizon um hungry charlie's was a really good spot for a little while. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yep. They did um they did a bunch of New Year's shows there. The Path of Resistance record release show was there. Um the Earth Crisis Live record, the Oath That Keeps Me Free, that was recorded there. Uh they did a bunch of stuff. And that was run by my good friend Tim, who was an original, you know, punk dude in my area. And Tim essentially is the guy that got me into, you know, everything. So that place was run by him. Um, And of course, for the smaller shows, there was the Westcott Community Center. You know, they always did some really cool shows, Um, you know, smaller stuff. I know at one time Saves the Day and Newfound Glory played there before they were obviously, you know, who Mm -hmm. they are now. So, um, yeah, there's there was a couple of pretty solid spots uh throughout the 90s there was a place downtown downtown called stylines um short-lived but really really cool venue um yeah so probably lost horizon though i mean that's definitely the name when you think of syracuse so for the size of the of that city no shortage of venues or places to play throughout the 90s no no not really you know i mean yeah the lost was definitely the go-to spot Mm-hmm. You know, that held that held the 90s together uh, for a number of years. And then luckily that relationship fell apart and uh, Tim stepped in and offered Hungry Charlie's. And uh, the next, I don't know, three, four, five years, maybe there was shows there. But again, there was always stuff going on elsewhere. You know, I don't want to make it seem like that was the only thing going on was the shit that we were doing or whatever. There was definitely smaller shows at the Westcott going on. I'm sure there was house shows. Uh, I'm sure there was plenty of other venues, you know, doing yeah. other stuff, but you know, the stuff that's noted mainly was, yeah, lost horizon and hungry Charlie stuff. I think I might've told this uh, story on here before, but at the lost horizon, uh, I played there with coming correct uh-huh. and, and, uh, our one good, uh, our drummer couldn't make it for whatever reason. I think that's what happened. Uh-huh. And, we went there and Rick, the singer of this, this band, yeah. he's, he's, he, he's like, Rich, you, you could play drums. I was like, a little bit, not really, you know? <laughs> so he says, try to play the drums. I, I'll borrow a drum set. I'm like, what? Uh, all right, whatever. So he, Earth Crisis um, invited us to play this in their headlining. And he, he got the drummer to let me borrow his drums, right? Oh. And such a nice guy. And from what I remember, a beautiful set. Like, I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, this is like a pro band, you know? Yeah. And he, the guy was, like, standing behind me while I was playing his set. And I'm, he was in my head. I'm like, yo, he's probably like, what the fuck is yeah. this guy doing? <laughs> he definitely does not know how to play any drums. And I was, like, struggling to get through every song. But even to this day, I always say, yo, that dude was so nice to let, like, this stranger, half-ass drummer play yeah. on his drums, man. Yeah. What a yeah. fucking yeah, what a fucking guy. But Lost Horizon, yeah, I've been to that place many times. So cool. Yeah, yeah great spot. Great spot. You know, and it's one of those venues that was just it was made, 
it was made to just be like a great venue. You know, there's like this little, these two steps that go uh, down into this reserved little mosh pit area, you know, like it was, I don't know the way that it was set up. It really was just a great, it was like a jungle gym when we were kids, you know, going to shows there railings to jump off of. Yeah. It did feel like people. So it almost, it, it almost felt like people were like, in bleachers to the side of you like they somehow yeah. rose up in the side and you know yeah. i don't know what they were standing on or whatever but yeah they had such a cool vibe that place man yeah yeah and again it was kind of like this dirty grungy dark place as a kid and my my parents wouldn't let me go because it just had a bad reputation you know yeah. in the 70s and even in the early 80s it was a you know it was a live music club so that's where all the you know the bad shit went down and uh, my parents knew that. And that's why they would never let me go until I finally got to, you know, sort of sneak out and, and make my way. But, yeah, just had that vibe, too, just growing up as a kid. Like, you know, you want to go to the place you're not allowed to go to, you of know. Course, yeah. And that was the lost horizon for me locally, you know. And once is, I got is it there, still going. Yeah, it's still going. Crowbar just played there yesterday, day before yesterday. Beautiful. Yeah, yep. it wasn't a few years back. We played there with Madball. Yep. And I was like, oh, Lost Horizon? That's still in Yeah, no, it's still going, dude. And I'm pretty sure it's still a dump. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a good way. You know, I'm not saying that to 100%, be a dick, yeah. Like, yeah, like, good I want shows to be at dark, dingy yeah. places with no yeah. windows if possible. That's kind of like the vibe. I, if there's any other color besides black, I want it to be red, maybe like black and red. But I just want to. But that's only when you're not on tour. You don't want to play those places on tour. No, on tour, I want, I want like to play the. You know the Ramada, like yeah. penthouse, a venue. Like <laughs> those are great. Those are great shows to visit when you can go home and take a shower and get clean. Yeah, but, for real. Uh, yeah, four weeks in a row playing places like the Lost Horizon is, isn't that would be there. rough. Yeah, you'd be like gangrene by the end of that. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is one thing also that plagued the '90s was violence. You know, yeah. I'm not sure if it was an issue. Uh, in Syracuse, but let's find out was violence an issue in nineties era Syracuse hardcore? Uh, no, I don't think so, man. You know, I don't think internally it definitely wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, if there was ever any sort of beefs, it came externally and it was in defense of, you know, I mean, no one was ever, I don't think anybody in Syracuse ever was any sort of a, antagonist in any sort of violent situation to be honest with you you know and i'm pretty sure earth crisis or carl you know can speak on this too because they were definitely the brunt of uh, a lot of the subject matter you know um so you think that's because you had good leaders like a carl from earth crisis so that kind of mentality didn't fall fall into the the, the kids in the scene of just being dicks and whatnot uh i don't know i just don't think it was a violent place per se you know the attitude mm-hmm. didn't really exist like i said it wasn't a it's a small town you know like people weren't from the streets people weren't you know it was more of just fucked up weirdo kids who could you know congregate somewhere uh and it wasn't really until you know you had social cliques where there would be little beefs here and there but it wasn't anything different than any other fucking teenage kids situation you know Mm. it wasn't violence at least not in my world you know i mean i coming from the house i came from whatever happened at hardcore at hardcore shows definitely wasn't as bad as what was going on in my home Mm. so it seemed 
you know, worse to me than anything else. You know, it was a place that we went to have fun, have a good time and defend who we were and what we were about, you know? So, uh, I don't know. I mean, there was little things here and there, but, you know, speaking for myself, it was never to be violent. It was, you know, in defense of per se. Well, that's a beautiful thing then. Sure. And and again, that's what I said, you know, like this thing was very, very vital and important for me, you know, because it was the very first thing that I sort of identified with earlier on, 10 years prior in the eighties, you know, and now I'm a, you know, now I'm in it for years and now, you know, my friends are in it and I'm, it, I'm invested in it. And now it's really personal, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's all it was, you know, it was just teenage kid shit, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't violent at all. You know, we handled shit that had to get handled. You don't let Nazis come to shows, you yeah. know, someone talks shit about your friends. What are you going to do? You know, and that's all it was there wasn't just like come to the show and get your ass handed to you by a hammer and chains, you know, and it wasn't like that. It was all good. How was the not, was the Nazi thing an issue at all out there? Uh, certain areas, not really so much in Syracuse, luckily, Mm. a couple times they would show up and most of the time they would, you know, do their thing and leave or nothing would happen. But there was there was one good bonehead moment. They came to an all-out war show once, and uh, you know, they got I don't know taken care of. And that was pretty much the only time that I remember you know some real shit going down with Nazis. But they would show up, you know, and yeah. Again, it was kind of a respectful, peaceful scene. You know, there wasn't much violence. So unless they unless they didn't fuck with you and and create a fucking problem. It is what it is, dude. You know, I mean, people people are allowed to to coexist, right? That's what we're trying to get through here is everyone has a place in the hardcore scene, supposedly. Intolerance obviously won't be stood for. So that was the thing is once they became an intolerant p- part of the show, they would be removed, you know? Gotcha. But it was never, it wasn't ever, you know, a prevalent thing. They didn't yeah. really there's some some younger listeners listening they they might be you know they might be it's kind of like a weird thought that that might even be an issue like yeah people that call themselves nazis would come to a show but that in the 90s that could have popped up in a lot of different places that's why i asked absolutely yeah absolutely and i mean i mean i remember ec coming home from tours and you know talking about nazis here and nazis there and it's you know it's it was there then it's there now you know it's the real thing for sure seems like it's not an issue for shows anymore though right it's kind of over with that do they show up to hardcore shows at this point uh, i don't know i mean i I'm think not, i'm not on the history. road as much as i used to be but i would imagine they're out there dude you know i think they're out there i just don't think like this is yeah. on their radar at this point yeah but who well, knows I, maybe i'm wrong let's hope yeah for real now what were the key releases from Syracuse bands, demos, seven inches, like what were the standouts for, especially for the locals? Yeah. Uh, man, well, obviously the earth crisis stuff was all great. The seven inch all out war firestorm was huge. Um, 
man, let me open up my iTunes and look because I could just go on and on. And I'm you're a music to... guy. I know you got some, some but and I don't want to. I just I want to make sure I hit. I mean, God below. I have to shout out God below. Um, they weren't '90s. They were later on in the 2000s. But mm-hmm. prior to God below, uh, they all came from other bands from the '90s. So those bands would have been Infusion, who was pretty amazing, and they only did a couple of demos. Um, and then Infusion turned into this band called Blood Runs Black, and that's oh, I remember was, them. Yeah, that stuff was unbelievable to think that these guys were teenagers, you know, in the early '90s writing this stuff, and you listen to it now, and it's 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 really really good stuff. Um, so there was that. Um, I don't know. I mean, there was what else? The Path Resistance stuff was great. There was Solstice in the early nineties, um, this guy, Dave Majeski, and they were kind of in that whole earth crisis vein. Um, what else was there back then? Um, shit, let me think nineties, nineties. Uh, man. Caught you slipping. Yeah. You caught me slipping. I'm looking through <laughs> too. And most of this stuff is mainly 2000 stuff um framework i don't know if you were familiar with framework that that sounds familiar that does sound familiar yep framework was pre-earth crisis it was you know uh this guy shane durgy who um he did a couple of zines he did a record label uh he had another couple bands also um band called oversight which was really cool Mm. um man what else was there in the 90s there was a band called upstate um and again that guy that played guitar in upstate i think he started earth crisis with carl um what else there was flak jacket there was bone jack uh you know there was a couple there was a couple of good things you know whether they stood out i'm not sure you know i'm not sure but of the standout releases i gotta go i gotta go with all that blood runs black and infusion stuff you know that stuff was Mm. It's pretty buried. And if you look on the uh, Attitude Exhumed WordPress page, I have, you know, links to download those demos. So if anybody Oh, wants wow. To, That's yeah. really cool. And there's a little Syracuse hardcore section on the page. So you can just click on that and all Syracuse stuff will pop up. But there's there's some demos on there that you could check out. Um, yeah, I don't know. There wasn't too much, you know, but there was some stuff. We're going to learn these boys on this Syracuse hardcore history. Now, son, you got the WordPress and everything. Now let's say, let's say this, who would be the Mount Rushmore of Syracuse bands? Oh man. I don't know. You know, I don't want this to be just an earth crisis podcast. Well, that's just one. There's four faces on the Rushmore. So, you know, <sighs> of course they got to get on there. <laughs> you I know. know. Of course. I, just, uh, I got to oh, go. You Earth know what? Crisis. We know we know Earth Crisis is even beyond. Yeah. Earth Crisis is in the heavens. So yeah. as far as the faces on the mountain, let's go a different set, a different bands with, with of, right. course, of course, Earth Crisis would make that list but we're going to exclude them for the the saint of learning uh, the the sake of learning history the four yeah mount rushmore syracuse hardcore bands minus earth crisis begin syracuse style i'm going blood runs black and then i gotta go man and then i gotta go god below god below 
two hard ass names. I love that. Oh, it's it's really good stuff. And um man, what else can I put on there, Richie? Come on, why are you doing this? I gotta uh unholy JD. Blood runs black, God yeah. below, unholy. This sounds like unholy. satanic metal at this point. Yep. And uh what's a good classic for fucking Green Rage. We got to go a little Green Rage. Green Rage. Okay, that sounds like old school traditional hardcore. That was the uh, you know, the ultra militant Syracuse vegan straight edge hardline band. Oh yeah? Yeah, so they only did one 7 inch and uh maybe one or two shows and that was that. But that was this guy Justin O'Hare who was, you know, like this Syracuse hardline guy. So that was his band. And it was very, very vegan, very mm-hmm. Syracuse. Lots of dive bombs, lots of feedbacky, crunchy guitars. You know, that's what I did always love about a lot of Syracuse stuff was those, the whammy bar dive bombs. Yeah. And the crate amps. Oh, um, yeah. People were rocking the crates. Yeah, that was the crate. The Earth Crisis, all those dudes, they love that crate. Crunchy, wow. doesn't get much love, so that's interesting. That's good. <laughs> yeah, it's that sizzly, you know, distortion. Yeah, definitely sizzly. That's that's yeah, that's a good way to describe. Wow, but so. I got to shout out Freya. I do. I have to shout out Freya. I I want to shout out the Funeral. Um, you know, these were all bands that came past the '90s. You know, so the mm. '90s. You know, Earth Crisis really kind of just took control of the 90s, you know, and it led to the late 90s, early 2000s, where, you know, you had another version of Syracuse Hardcore with bands like, you know, The Funeral and and Forfeit and Edge Control and Black SS and, you know, like a whole nother version. Um, Edge but, Control. Yeah, right. I like that name. Yeah. But that wow, was again. Did, did they have merch? I got to get a shirt. <sighs> Maybe. Violent side, that band was amazing, you know, and that was all later on 2000s. These, but are, it all, these are products of 90s hardcore, basically. These are all products of, yeah, 90s. And it has key players from the 90s, you know, guys that were at the shows with me, in the pits, whatever, doing all the same shit. It's just they started, you know, their bands yeah. influenced by stuff that was going on when we were kids, you know, and that's obviously how this whole thing grows and keeps moving, but... Had to shout those dudes out too. Yeah, of course, man. Like that's what I'm saying. The '90s, I feel, are overlooked. Like you know, everybody wants to talk about yeah. '80s hardcore. We know Black Flag. We know these guys jumping around like they're having seizures, minor threat, whatever. But it's like the '90s actually changed things yeah. sonically. You know, with yeah. to the ears, it changed. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of like every time there is a documentary about hardcore. Uh, another Z it just people always leave this era out. I'm not too sure yeah. why, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know what? I think the same thing about nineties hardcore for sure. But I also think of it in context of New York too, you know, because upstate New York, there's three there at the time, there's three scenes between Buffalo, Syracuse and Albany, you mm-hmm. know, and a lot of these bands from the bigger cities south of us, whether it's New York or Boston or DC or Philly, you know, back then there wasn't this, this 
community like there is now, you know, where all you got to do is type in a fucking something on the internet and you can have a show, yeah. you know, back then to get from New York or Philly or whatever to Chicago, you know, you, if you could stop somewhere for a show, you know, what better place than halfway in Syracuse or Buffalo or Albany, you know? So that's where I think a lot of these scenes started to pop up was as these sort of stops along the way from major city to major city, you know, instead of yep. eight to 10 hour drive, you might as well stop in Buffalo and play to fucking 30 people, you mm. know? And next thing you know, a year later, there's 40 people. And then two years later, there's a fucking hundred people, you know? And then four years later, there's this band that's opening up called earth crisis or framework or, you know, solstice. And two years after that, they're headlining, you know, and, and that's just kind of, I feel like how at least the upstate 90s New York hardcore scenes helped shape and change, you know, uh, the future, but also helped sort of continue carrying on what was going on in the 80s, you know? Yeah, definitely a very good point was the the routing was important and yeah. kind of helped, you know, like seed certain areas like you know yeah. somebody come through plant a seed and you said 40 then 80 then 200 yeah. you know and yeah. uh, the same thing happened here eerie pa eerie pa how did that ever pop off with so many bands right. and shows it's it was the yeah. routing it was kind of like a like you know you're on your way to pittsburgh you're on your way to cleveland you got eerie you know stuff like that yeah. well and, and again that led to local bands popping up brothers keeper and shockwave and all those bands at the time that you know fucking something to prove yeah. and all these bands like they were nobodies but look what they ended up doing 10 years later they ended up changing you know i mean nobody sounds like brothers keeper ever since yeah you know for better i always for felt worse. like the eerie scene was kind of uh heavily influenced by the syracuse scene i always kind of uh, felt like they it was like uh like uh you know like that was what they with the kids in erie were looking at syracuse more yeah. than they were looking at new york city you know uh, i mean? think regionally we were there was a lot i mean i think they're key players per se the brothers keeper guys they were all yeah. really good friends with uh a bunch of us up in syracuse you know so mm -hmm. they would come up even just to fucking hang out you know and chill out and um you know our friend dj opened a tattoo shop up up in syracuse so they would come up and get tattooed and i think that's where that was it was just sort of that mainline influence that they were good friends of ours at the time you know and even DJ had a band with some of those shockwave guys called uh, a prayer for cleansing. If you remember yeah, that. Definitely. So that was like, you know, a combination of Syracuse Erie and um, Toronto maybe, but mm -hmm. you know, all kind of a friendly thing. So it was probably just, you know, that two degrees of separation. Yeah. We we're all 100%. swimming in the same water, essentially, you know, no doubt. Now your time, throughout the 90s like this is a rough question for some people some people they 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 take to it right away but throughout the 90s you're coming into the scene and uh you got a decade of of activity you know back then what did it mean to you i know that's a very broad question but what did that time and your you know your feet on the ground in the scene throughout the 90s what did it mean to you mm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I th think in hindsight as an adult with children now and my eldest being the age that I was now when I was getting into things, uh, it was definitely an escapism. You know, it was definitely 
a therapy. Uh, I don't know. It's definitely a place to go to, to, to feel like you belong. It's generic to say, cause everyone says it, but it's true. You know, it's a place to feel like you belong somewhere, you know? Um, and we, I don't know. I mean, I was an angry kid, you know, I had shit going on at home that made me angry and it gave me a place to go and let that out, you know, acceptably. And it felt like it was progressively too, because we were, we were, you know, yelling about animal rights and straight edge and we were yelling about world issues and <clears throat> even, you know, uh, domestic issues, which we were going through. And, you know, uh, I don't know, it was, it was definitely, it was someplace I had to be. That's for mm-hmm. sure. You know, I'm not sure where else I would have been. I tried sports and uh, it didn't work. You know, so where else do you go? You know, I found music and, and, you know, I found that place. And like I said, I was, a I was, I was a skateboarder before I was anything, you know, and I think about that and it's like, man, I was literally, when do I find that skateboard? Uh, 1985. So I was, you know, eight, nine years old, you know, younger than my daughter now, you know, and it's like, Wow. Yeah, dude. I mean, this is just what I sort of gravitated to instantly was skateboarding and this, you know, and then along the way, I tried other things. I tried to be normal and go fucking play sports and it just didn't work. You know, I couldn't do it. But skateboarding always stuck with me. And and this is always, always stuck. So it was definitely somewhere I belonged, you know, Mm -hmm. definitely gave me an outlet, you know, of expression. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it meant I a lot. You, to me, I asked know? you that question because you're a lifer, basically. Yeah. You're, you're a lifer, and I always wonder. I feel like it at this point. You might be right. <laughs> yeah, and when you say you were younger than your your daughter is now, when you found the thing that would propel you into the scene, yeah, that's pretty crazy to think. Because yeah, dude, you know, I mean, you know. I, I try to think of life before finding that skateboard, you know. And it's like, I was just a normal little kid, you know, playing in trees and whatever, but I I don't think I had any special interest at that point. You know, it wasn't until I found the skateboard that I was like, oh, what's this thing? You know, and then I started riding it and that's, you know, in 85, that's where I met Carl because he was skateboarding up at the, you know, uh, in the parking lot at the fucking school. And I saw this kid doing wall rides and I'm like, (laughs) who the fuck is that? And it was Carl, you know, and I went over and he introduced, he introduced himself and he was there to hang out with this girl. And this girl was just a punk rock girl, you know, from, from the town. And she gave me, you know, my first copy of any sort of alternative music, you know, and that was just it. And that was 1985. You know, I kind of just stuck with it, you know? And like I said, from there until the early nineties, when I started going to shows, it was a bunch of things, you know, I'd listen to scorpions, I'd listen to poison, I'd listen to all these other things, Great bands. but you know, it always came back to, you know, the AFs and the slap shots and uniform choice and all that shit. So, um, it was definitely, I don't know, like you said, life for that's what I, I kind of feel like it, you know, like I've really never been interested in any other sort of, uh, music or, I don't know, outlet per se. Yeah. And, and like that, that beautiful story of, of seeing Carl back in 85, like, 
Yeah. And then you said he was hanging with a girl. Like to me, Carl doesn't like any girls. Come on. <laughs> and if you talk to Carl, he will tell you that this girl was actually probably taking advantage of him because he was even he was even younger than she was. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's the thing. It's like we were fucking kids, dude. Like straight up, you know, kids. That's so cool. and Carl's a few years older than me. So at that time, I mean, I I had to have been nine or ten. So he was a teenager. Yeah, but uh. You know, uh, yeah, everyone was just a fucking kid. And he treated you good, though, even though you're a little kid. Yeah, he was awesome. And I dude, I, I what a guy, I, what a guy. I remember it vividly. I really to this day. I still remember the conversation. He said, oh, my name's Carl. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, and whatever. I went over and I talked to this girl. She's like, oh, yeah, that's my friend, Carl. And I was like, oh, that's cool. He's a really good skater, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it it's all it takes sometimes when your world is that small and that green and that sort of you know innocent and uh fast forward a couple years and my buddy came home and was like i just saw this band earth crisis with this that guy carl singing and they are out of control and that was it you know wow we man, went that, and saw that skateboard took you on some trip man yeah man yep and it's still going this trip yeah, man. Yep. Here I am with you, Richie. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, a lucky guy you are to be. Here. I am. I listen. <laughs> really, I am. I'm glad you called me. I'm glad we had this conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, when it popped in my head, I was talking for those who don't know, Busky is a master. What would you call it? Graphic designer? Like, sure. I, I, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'm just not too familiar, but I'm <laughs> impressed by your work. And you did work for Wisdom and Chains in the past. And my favorite layout ever was was uh something you did for us and uh so i was i was talking to you about doing some other stuff yeah and it popped in my head and i'm like yo this is the guy for syracuse like what the hell am i thinking like you know yeah. at the Thank time you. i thought of syracuse but i just kind of glanced over because i'm like i'm not too sure who to talk to i had carl on it's just carl from earth crisis but who would be the guy so yeah. I, I appreciate it man well, like I said, this is just my side of it. You know, there was other key players. Ryan Hex, he was in the mix. He would have a completely different opinion on a lot of these things. You know, yeah. uh, obviously, you know, the Keith and Hells that did Hellfest, you know, like these guys, again, they were maybe a little bit later. I yeah. came maybe a little bit before them, but there was definitely, you know, the 90s was was a good time. There was other there was other players in that mix. But wow, uh, Hellfest was a product of Syracuse, huh? That was a Syracuse thing. Yeah. And wow. it started just as Syracuse. Not all fest. about that. Yeah. And it was just Syracuse fest. And then it became a branded thing, <clears throat> but it was, you know, there was a couple of years of that thing happening before it was even known as Hellfest. It was just a local fest. And then they gave it that name and it just took off, you know? Incredible. Yeah. I forgot yeah. all about that, man. That's another important thing is yeah. shining star for Syracuse. Absolutely. What yeah. a place perhaps. Outside of the major cities, like you mentioned, the Boston, New York, and, you know, if we want to say L.A., I don't know what the hell comes out of there sometimes, you know, but, uh, <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of a, it's like the, oh, from the, the 90s L.A., you know, it's kind of like they weren't a big producer of, you know, they had some dope shit for definitely, but you, you know what I'm saying? Hey, I beg to differ, but that's a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I like to throw digs on there sometimes. Because <laughs> I got to have somebody from L.A. come on anyway. But yeah. uh, Syracuse, I'm just saying I'm giving it the the respect that it deserves because it isn't the biggest city. But right. it is so influential 
that it might as well be as far as yeah. our music is concerned, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you even look at the flyers, you know, and look at how many show flyers nowadays kind of rip off that Syracuse flyer font, you know? Definitely. So, you know, it's all these little things, again, that at the time you're doing it, you're just doing it because that's what you're doing. And you don't realize that, you know, 15, 20 years later, it's it's, it's going to be a thing. It's going to yeah, be what people want to look like and want to sound like. And, yeah, it's, it's very cool. Part of Highly influential. Yeah, it's cool. It's awesome. Beautiful. Well, my friend, you want to add anything else about the glory of the great Syracuse or? I'm good. I think we touched on things and everything. So, uh, you know, I don't know, man. Um, there is, uh, there's a Facebook page, um, of some of these 80 guys that I was talking about that was doing some of those shows prior, um, called Syracuse NY punk rock photos and memories. Oh, cool. Um, they post a lot of really cool, you know, eighties Syracuse stuff. Um, and then there's a, there's a guy, uh, John Bukowski who played in some bands that he currently does a radio show called, uh, a dangerous meeting. So I don't know. I mean, just want to shout those guys out because they're, I'm no longer in this in Syracuse and it feels kind of weird to be promoting all the Syracuse things when I haven't lived there in almost 20 years now. But as you know, you know, it's where you I'm lived from. There from from yeah, 90 yeah. To, to 99. Yeah. though, right. It's a huge part of my life, a huge part of my heart still. So I, I'm glad to talk about it. Um, but these guys, this guy from the 80s, check out his page. He's got some really cool stuff. And John Bukowski, he plays, you know, old stuff, new stuff, all Syracuse sort of related. So there's still people up there, you know, that are making these things happen currently and still promoting the past. Um, there's a lot of cool shows I've been seeing going on up there. This kid Colin is doing shows up there. Uh, I saw Crown of Thorns recently there, you know, and and they're the new guard. They're the new generation. Uh, really cool band called Deal With God coming out of Syracuse right now. So check wow, them I out. I love that name too. Wow. Yep. So um, I don't know, man. It's just one of those places that I don't think is going to dry up and blow away. I think that, you know, the scene and the culture up there has, you know, made a lasting impact, hopefully on future generations. And uh, I don't know, check it out. There's definitely some cool stuff going on. I know Syracuse hardcore shows, um, on Instagram and I don't know, look around. I'm sure you can find. Yo, tell me how to see that WordPress thing you had. Yeah. I'll send you the link. It's, uh, an attitude exhumed.wordpress.com. So if you just type in, you know, an attitude exhumed in Google, it should pop up, but it's just the name of the zine and attitude exhumed at WordPress. And essentially, I mean, I've had this thing for a very long time. I just never really, pushed it or promoted it you know but uh there's all sorts of downloads on there and videos and it's kind of just like i don't know an online web zine i guess beautiful very cool man yeah. so all right my friend i appreciate it i do too richie i'll talk to you soon sounds good all right brother peace peace thanks a lot for listening we really appreciate it post america podcast will always be there for you Don't forget that. Tune in next time for more fun with the boys. Until then, 
Get your fucking ass out of here before I give you a smack, motherfucker! Who the fuck you think you in? This is post-America! You ain't shit, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs>